uh, to first grade picture that so many parents do uh, post on Facebook to kind of celebrate the child's first day back to school, uh, kind of like another year in their journey. You know, this is Becca's first grade as they said back to school picture. And from this, I learned, if you look at that, she wants to be down there in the bottom right hand corner, a vet. Okay, last year she wanted to be a mommy in kindergarten. She wanted to be a mommy. This year, a vet. Anyway, we can take that down. Anyway, shortly after taking this picture, uh, which would have taken some serious effort, because I don't know if you noticed her hair, it was all curled up and everything, which means mommy had to get up at least at 6 a.m. because the bus comes at 7.30. Anyway, my daughter, like after doing all that, my daughter did like thousands of parents across the land did. Uh, when she walked her daughter, Becca, to the bus station and put her on the bus and then stood and waved goodbye, and then the next day, the next year, you do it all over again, right? Year after year after year, okay? Uh, we send them to school where we envision them in classrooms, playing games on the playground, and eventually participating in extracurricular activities like such as school plays or school sports. And why do we do all that? Well, why do we rise so early and go the extra mile to provide their every need to see them through those education years? Well, because the best investment in the future is an investment in our children, right? Well, good morning. Uh, what a wonderful day it is, right? Pretty exciting day. Yes, church? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, four years ago and then some, four years and several months that we set out on this journey to invest in our children, to build and provide a better and safer space for our children to be educated in. And four years later, looking back, what a journey it has been, you know, I mean, I mean, the hope was that those who follow behind might find us faithful and praise be to God, the Christ followers at New Lisbon Christian Church have been faithful and then some. But what we also have learned along the way is if we didn't know this already, is you can't outgive God, right? Have you ever noticed you just can't outgive God on, on God adventures, little or, or, or big, you can always count on God to be faithful. Uh, and man, he's been faithful over and over and over again the last four years. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more about God's faithfulness later this morning uh, during the dedication service for the next new generation building that we're going to kind of celebrate. But here's the thing. Our victory celebration today, it's not, it's not the end of the work, is it? No, it's actually, I mean, it's not the end of the journey, it's, it's only the beginning for to truly be found faithful, the same baton that was passed on to us from previous generations must be faithfully passed on to the generations that follow us, okay? And so let us begin, I guess is what we would say, let us begin. Now, the scripture we're going to follow as our roadmap this morning is the same scripture we shared with you two and a half years ago as we prepared to kick off for our first that never happened capital fundraiser okay if you, you remember that we're going to and then then we didn't i mean you all remember that little two-week pause that we were asked to make in march of 2020 two weeks we're gonna just shut her down for two weeks uh, yeah and, and it lasted like two years but anyway we want to come back to that first message of a whole series of matches that we gave back then and and kind of do a remix okay come back to where we were before we were so rudely interrupted, and pick up that central theme right there. So this morning's message is a remix message, which was then and is again today entitled Impress. Okay, now, our text today comes from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you want to turn to it there, which is all about how God's people 
can love their Lord, okay? And how they are to stay in that love relationship faithfully and not fall away. And so God expresses to them that they should do these things, okay? Do these things, things, things that I have taught you, things that I have commanded you, do these things. And he expresses their need to be continual about these things, to be deliberate and diligent, not just, just doing these things, but actually becoming or being these things and then teaching these things to the next generation. And then beginning in verse 4 and following, the Bible says this about the importance of this teaching to the next generation. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, Right? So that's the what you're to do, right? You're to love and, 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 and do these things. But here, here's the how. Okay, verse 7. He says, impress them, impress them on your children. And, and so that's the overall strategy, to impress on your children. He says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So those words of God are spoken to his people, God's people, and they are, they are kind, if you will, God's formula for passing on God's rich inheritance to his people onto the next generation and the next generation and so forth. I mean, they were not to assume, in other words, they were not to assume that their children would just inherit their faith automatically like some sort of spiritual DNA, but rather they were to make a deliberate attempt to saturate them with the word of God in their childhood and right on up through their youth, okay? In fact, all through the scriptures, we are instructed to teach the next generation. Older men teaching younger men, older women teaching. It never stops, you know, to know God's will, to walk in it, and be an example in it. So bottom line, it is the responsibility of parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, as well as all Christian adults to do all they can to influence for Christ the next generation, it's a never-ending cycle. I think this is no more true than it is today, but, but we as Christians now live as minorities, minorities in an ever-increasing post-Christian secular society. We are no longer a Christian nation. We are a minority. But listen, friends, ever since the early church, we have been warned to always be alert. Always be alert for your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour. What do you do? He says, resist him standing in the faith and so i guess the point is while it is a great day of celebration as we give thanks for all the lord has done and he has done much more than we could have ever imagined okay what needed to be done and seeing this building completed but so so praise be to the glory of god and his son jesus christ amen yeah it's it's great but let us not forget while it is good to see this next generation building complete for it will be a place that is better, that is safer, okay, while, while they're here. It is our purpose, it is our purpose while here to prepare them in God's instruction, right? I mean, that's what it's really about. That, that when they leave this place, they will be better prepared and therefore safer from the culture of forces that seek to steal, kill, and destroy the faith of the next generation. That's what we're fighting for, the faith of the next generation. And so today, we're going to going to quickly take a look at an example of a man who is known as the father of faith, Abraham, uh, who successfully transferred his faith onto his son Isaac. So if you'll open your Bible or Bible app to Genesis 22, Genesis 22. Now, if you were to look at the whole uh, life story of Abraham, and we have done that with a series of messages in the past, but if you were to look at the whole life story of Abraham in detail, you would see 
that there are many, it's like you can mark different places on his journey as here's a defining moment and here's a defining, like there are so many defining moments in the faith journey of Abraham. Each time his faith getting a little stronger, but from the time of God's call for Abraham to leave his friends and family and all that he knew and all the land that he had grown up in, you know, to go to a land he did not know, okay, that God might build his faith and, and make no mistake, it was a journey not unlike our faith journeys today, where there are many defining moments for he and Sarah along the way, okay? But today, for our purposes, we want to kind of jump to the event, okay? The event that is most famous, which he is most known for, and it's called the testing of Abraham, okay? The testing of Abraham. So let's just kind of jump in and begin with verse 1 of Genesis 22. Verses 1 and 2, actually. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Now, why would anyone ever want to consider sacrificing their son? People ask that. You know, why, why, why? You know, and while it is true that the people of the pagan land that Abraham's living amongst these people who are pagans, who did worship false gods, and they did, in fact, sacrifice their children, or as the Bible says, they sacrificed them by passing them through the fires of the false god Moloch. They did do this in that land, okay? But not, nevertheless, Abraham understood that that was against the will of the one true God, and surely God, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, had not changed his stance on that, but yet, here's the command. So the primary concern or test was this. Isaac was Abraham's son of promise, okay? In fact, Isaac, while Abraham did have a child born to another woman, a concubine by named Hagar, named, named Ishmael, the Bible describes Isaac very clearly as Abraham's only son, okay? And so like most parents, surely this command of God would have been an unthinkable thought, you know? But what would have been even more confusing to Abraham's faith was that this is the son of promise, okay? The seed from which a great nation's going to come, a nation of people who will be known as God's people. And so the question to be answered would have been, how would all the promises that God has promised for the past 40 years come true if Isaac's dead? But long story short, the how is that Abraham trusted God. And somehow he determined that the unreasonable was reasonable and that the unbearable was bearable and the impossible was possible. And while certainly reluctant, he immediately made plans to depart. He obeyed as he and his son Isaac said goodbye to Sarah and together they head off towards the, the mountain of Mount Moriah. Okay, just as God had commanded him. So the following story takes place then in verses 5 through 14. It tells the whole story. Uh, so we're going to just read it real quick here. Beginning with verse 5, it says... He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we, we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood from the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife and as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, his father Abraham, father, yes my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. 
Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now, there are a great many lessons to be learned in that passage, but I've made a promise to be short here today, so we'll see what we can do here. But the one message, I think if there's one message that is spoken very clearly from parent to child on that day, it was this. The faith of the father was the priority of his life. The faith of the father was the priority of his life. I mean, make no mistake, Isaac knew personally that he was clearly loved by his father, okay? This was not, I mean, we've seen this happen. This was not some cold, impersonal, hard relationship that the father and son had that makes the son want to rebel against his father. It was not that, but rather it was quite the opposite. For Isaac knew that he was dearly loved by both of his parents, but the events of the day displayed very clearly to Isaac that Abraham loved God more than he loved his son. And if you're a parent of a child, one who desperately wants to pass the baton of faith onto your child or your children like Abraham did with Isaac, this is the take-home lesson of the day. For Abraham, in this event, like the title of the message indicates, impressed the faith of the father onto his son. And that's how the life story of Abraham and his son Isaac become part of God's story. And through that event, Abraham was able to authentically communicate or impress his allegiance to God onto Isaac, and it was an impression that carried Isaac into a life of faith. So, that's the story. Now, if you're taking notes, uh, to impress is to communicate your priorities. And if you want to write that down, to impress is to communicate your priorities. And with the rest of our time here this morning, before we close out this part of the worship service and move into the, the, the dedication part in the Family Life Center, I'd like to very quickly give you just three practical ways that we might impress or communicate our absolute allegiance to God onto our children, okay? So let me say this first. All, in all these ways, this must be authentic, right? It must be authentic because perceptive people, especially children, know what's authentic and they know what's not. So first, you know, you communicate your priorities by your attitude towards the church. And I, I'm going to make this real easy because I think we all know this one. But let me ask you, as, as a congregation, a couple questions, you know, where I ask you to raise your hand because I know you love to participate, okay? And uh, anyway, uh, first question is, how many of you grew up in the church? Wow, just about every single one of you, okay? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, okay, so second question, how many of you had parents or grandparents, whoever was taking you, who effectively communicated to you that Sunday was the Lord's day, and on the Lord's day, you go to church to worship the Lord. How many? Yeah, not quite as many, but pretty close, okay? Okay, how many of you as youth liked that idea? Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, in our home, it wasn't just one hour or two hours on Sunday morning, right? But it wasn't in yours either. It was Sunday night, Wednesday night, and every time the church was open, every time they had an activity, we had to be there. Sunday night was Disney. Didn't didn't had to miss Disney, right? And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I you know, and I could tell you all kinds of stories about me growing up and and my attitude towards all that, you know. And, and primarily, it was communicated 
that I did not like my parents' attitude about church. And they didn't like mine, okay? I mean, no. But in the end, in the end, because their faith and commitment was authentic, okay, their faith effectively and authentically communed onto us as children. I mean, this is not, what they were basically saying, this is not what we do. This is who we are, right? And they did that authentically and sincerely. And because they did, we followed as well because Lord Jesus was our top priority in our home okay now make no mistake i get that we live in a new world and there's a lot more competition for our allegiance or our time right because time and allegiance is kind of the same thing right and uh in many ways anyway uh but I, I i want you to understand that each decision in its own way it's not just a defining moment in your faith journey it's a defining moment in others around you as well i mean it has impact and your attitude towards the church it speaks volumes very simply put secondly you communicate your priorities by the atmosphere in your home okay moses told the israelites to impress god's commands by teaching tying and writing in other words their faith was to be 24 7 especially in their homes a while back i was talking to one of uh, uh margie and i's children about uh, who's who's gr they're all grown up now uh, but this one in particular, their family attends a mega church, and I ask this because in their church with multiple services, uh, they don't offer on Sunday mornings a Sunday school for children or a Bible study for adults. It's just like, it's like our 1030 hour over and over and over again, okay? And uh, anyway, if you, want, if you want any more of that personal study stuff, you have to find that during the week, okay? But that's one of, the, I think, one of the benefits of a smaller church like ours who gives you and your family a two-hour opportunity on Sunday mornings because we're committed to, to, to being invested heavily in the principle of the church coming alongside parents who are so busy to teach the next generation the word of God. But, but I asked my daughter this, after pointing out the limited opportunities of their church's uh, Sunday morning, saying, you know, when you were raised in the church, you know, you had two hours every Sunday morning, and even as a child, you had an hour on Sunday night of, of teaching time, okay? And your church doesn't offer you that. How do you plan on compensating for the lack of that opportunity? I mean, just taking your child to church, like we took you, is not necessarily going to do it if it's one hour instead of three, you know? And I was relieved, so I asked, and I was relieved that their church emphasizes that the church is only a supporting element in the parents' divine call to teach their own children, okay? And so being large, and their volunteers are limited, they work in a supportive way to help parents in their home endeavors, and I was pleased to hear that, and there was a plan, and I was even more pleased to hear that there was a plan in the home, uh, even with all the business life, and they were doing and still are doing their best to carry that plan out. And grandparents, you can play a role in that uh, by providing resources. I mean, they have children's Bibles out now that have those, like you see there on the front of your seat there, that little QR code. They have children's Bibles out now with every story has a QR code, and you hit it with your phone, and a video comes up, and they can watch the video while you read the Bible story. And uh, that great resources. We have families in this, in this church who subscribe to Focus on the Family, which is, has all kinds of resources available to parents. And with permission, as grandparents, you can play a significant role in that. Many of you know uh, our youngest daughter, Cassie, and her husband, Steve, uh, they have four children under the age of six. The oldest was Becca that you saw on the screen. And we try to have, we try to have the grandkids over for sleepovers as often as possible, but never all four of them at the same time. 
<laughs> but, but we do that when, we have a day, when I have a day off, okay? And uh, anyway, on one occasion, Cassie brought them over for a day visit. Now that she's not working and a stay-at-home mom, she brought them over for a day visit while I was working, and the kids were like, where's Pappy? Where's Pappy? And Margie said, well, Pappy's at work. And they were like, Pappy works? <laughs> I knew you'd really like that part. Yeah, I knew. Anyway, one day shortly thereafter, Cassie was driving her van to pick up the kids, and she likes to listen to uh, our podcast of our sermons. And she was in the middle of one of my sermons when she picked up the kids and got them in the van. And after everyone got settled, she went to change the audio to some Christian music that her kids like to listen to. And Sam, who was three, and maybe three and a half at the time, said of the sermon, who was that, Mommy? Was that Pappy? And she said, yeah, that was your pappy preaching. And he said, turn it back. I want to listen to pappy. And that's my favorite part of the story. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but the point is, you know, uh, I like that because, not because Samuel liked to listen to pappy's sermon. Well, okay, I I liked it a little, maybe a lot. But, But what I really liked about that is because of what was being played in the van. Because... Lots of little frequent expressions of faith by a parent in the home make big impressions on your children. Big. Lastly, you communicate your priorities by your obedience to God's commands. In other words, are you the real deal? Okay, does your daily ethic and your daily character match up with what you tell your children your allegiance is all about to Jesus? Okay, because people are generally pretty perceptive and none more than your children. So, at the beginning of this message, I shared with you the picture of our granddaughter, uh, Rebecca, who's now six years old. She now, she go, she now goes to public school, uh, but for her first five years of her life, we had Becca over most every Thursday night into Friday. We'd take, we'd take her, and then when Sam got, came, uh, was born, we, Sam came along too, and we'd take them home um, Friday at dinner time. Anyway, they were at our house first, all the time over for sleepovers. And when she was about two and a half years old, and Sam wasn't on the scene yet, uh, she was in our house for a sleepover. And Becca, she was playing in the other room, uh, totally enthralled. She liked to imagine and, and play act things out. And, and I would do that with her with the dolls or whatever character she was playing with. But anyway, she was playing in the other room, totally enthralled in whatever imagination play that she had going. And and on that occasion, she was playing doctor. She just got a doctor's medical kit. And she was giving a medical treatment of some sort to Big Rusty, her stuffed dog. A Big Rusty, because she's got a smaller stuffed dog she calls Little Rusty. Anyway, maybe, maybe that's where she first determined she'd be a vet right i don't know with little and big rest i don't know anyway she's totally enthralled in her imagination play and margie from the kitchen asked me because i i was on duty what's becca doing over there and and very quietly i whispered because i didn't interrupt she was playing well by herself i whispered she's playing doctor and margie didn't quite hear me so i said again i said she's pretending to be a doctor and from the other room i hear no pappy i'm not pretend doctor i real doctor of course you are. Listen, friends, we all, we all know this. This is, this is nothing new. But it bears reminding who we are, who we truly are, is making an impression on our children and grandchildren so deep, far more impacting than anything an hour or two will do on Sunday morning in church. And so if we want our next generation to be future people of God, then we together must do all we can to make an impression both in church and with our daily example at home.
And so be reminded this morning, the little things day in and day out, they make big and deep impressions. And all God's people said, let's pray. Father, we give thanks.